Welcome to another episode of the Breaking the Game show on the Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell. My co-host, Stephen, is not here this week, but we have two phenomenal guests with us here tonight to break down the Atlantic Division as well as talk about Stephen's top 50 through 26 players in the NBA. So firstly, I'm joined here by Justin Patton, otherwise known as JP Franchise. Justin, how you doing? Hey, man. Welcome. Uh, thank you for letting me be on the show. It feels like I'm making, like, all-star appearances on Breaking the Game, man. Like, it's awesome. But thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to get into these topics. Definitely. It's it's great to have you here. For those of you that don't know, Justin is a Celtics fan, so I figured I had to have him <laughs> on to talk about the Atlantic Division. And we also have Edgar Acevedo otherwise known as the man behind the Off the Ball Network Twitter. Edgar, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Really excited to talk some hoops, and, and it's going to be a great show here today on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. But I want to remind our listeners that this show is also sponsored by MyBookie. Use the promo code Off the Ball at sign up, and MyBookie matches up to 50% of your first deposit and up to $1,000. Sign up and let's win big. So we're going to get things started. We're going to be talking about the Atlantic Division, as I said at the beginning. And the Atlantic Division was one of the best in basketball last year when you look at it from a playoff team perspective. You had Philadelphia, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They were 49-23. and 23. You had the Brooklyn Nets just a game behind them at 48 and 24. Then you had the New York Knicks, probably the surprise of the NBA season last year, 41 and 31. Julius Randle making an all NBA team as Edgar celebrated all year long with his Knicks. Then you had Boston at 36 and 36, a team that was right in the thick of things until Jalen Brown went down. And then they unfortunately got bounced by Brooklyn in the playoffs. And then you had the Toronto Raptors, a team that hadn't missed the playoffs since 2012-2013 season. They finished at 27-45. and And I mean, when you're looking at them even from a playoff perspective, you've got Philly losing out in the conference semifinals to the Atlanta Hawks. you got Brooklyn losing to Milwaukee. Unfortunately, the Knicks lost to Atlanta in five games in the first round and then Boston losing to Brooklyn as well. So, Edgar, I'm going to start with you. What did you make of your Knicks offseason? I mean, firstly, congratulations on the year last year. It's got to be, feel great to have that season. But what did you make of their offseason? What do you think the expectations are for the Knicks heading into this season? Uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, it felt amazing to finally have such a winning season, you know, winning the 41 games, uh, getting the fourth seed in the East was absolutely absolutely incredible. Uh, in terms of the offseason, I really love the offseason that we had. I mean, we, uh, for the most part, we addressed the needs that we had, which was scoring and playmaking. If you notice, we had Julius Randle taking a lot of the playma- playmaking um, uh, decisions on the floor because, as you know, Alfred Payton was our starting point guard. And, yeah, I know that face says it all. I'll, I'll, no disrespect to – I don't like to disrespect any players, but, you know, you you kind of – you we got what we paid for in Alfred Payton. He's not that great of a starter. Maybe a solid backup, but not a starter, which eventually, you know, of course, moved Derrick Rose to that starting point guard position in the playoff run. And Derrick Rose is good. He's a solid guy. He can still play. He, obviously, he shows us he can still play. He, he can still score. But 
you still need another viable playmaking guard. You know, you can't really rely entirely on on a guy like Derrick Rose, giving his uh, injury history and his age. You still need another guy right there. And quickly was too young to do it. Um, you know, we had Theo Pinson. Theo Pinson was our third stringer, so we weren't going to throw him out there. But now we have Kemba Walker. Uh, the Kemba Walker, the, the Kemba Walker edition is very solid. I think it's a high reward, a high reward, low risk type of move. Uh, we got him at a decent contract. Um, he doesn't have a player option, but that's still okay because we gave him manageable money. And like I said, if his knee, if his knee holds up and he plays around what 80 something percent of the games, at least, then that's a big payoff for us because I still think when he's healthy, He's still one of the better, like one of the best point guards in the NBA, I think, in terms of scoring and passing. He's a really good playmaker, and he's a very good scorer. He averaged around uh, almost 20 points a game, four assists, and, and five rebounds when he was healthy with the Boston, with the Boston Celtics. Uh, and aside from that, we also got Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier, who also came from the Celtics, uh, he was, he's a very good scorer. Again, he's a good playmaker for his size. He's a big guard. So if, say, if you wanted to play a smaller lineup, uh, you can't really hide any players on him. He's good at fishing out mismatches. So in the playoffs, we could have used him against a guy like Trey Young. Instead of, that, instead of the Hawks hiding Trey Young on Reggie Bullock, that would have had to been Evan Fournier that he would have guarded. And I'd like to think that Evan Fournier would have taken advantage of that type of matchup. Uh, we saw what he did in the Olympics. He was, I believe he was the second leading scorer with France in the Olympics. And the guy has no fear. He doesn't back down from anybody that he plays against. And again, that's a big, that's a, that's a big piece to add when it comes to playmaking. Uh, I do believe Tibbs is going to get him to play defense though, because if he doesn't play defense, it doesn't matter how much money he's making. It doesn't matter how many years he has on his contract. He's just not going to see minutes. And I believe Tibbs is going to force him to play defense and be a lot more attentive to that side of the floor. Um, yeah, when I look at the Knicks offseason, I mean, as much as I give the Knicks a hard time, I love to do it mostly just to poke fun at Knicks fans. It's something that I do. I do it with every fan base. But, I mean, I like the extension for Randall, four years, 117. I think that's a really good contract for a guy that was an all-NBA team last year and he he showed significant signs of improvement um i liked his original contract when the knicks got him at three years 63 i thought 21 million for a guy who's like 19 and 9 and he's even surpassed that now so i think getting randall on the contract that you did was huge i liked what you said about kemba being like low risk high reward because eight million a year for a guy that was an all-star just a couple years ago he still can play at that all-star caliber uh, level, but he just needs to stay healthy. So the fact that you go from point guards of Alfred Payton and Derrick Rose to Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose, that's just a significant upgrade there. You did lose Bullock, but bringing in Fournier, I think he's going to fit in really well there for your team. Thibodeau will make him play defense. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You either buy into Thibodeau's system or you're going to be sitting, and I think he will. And then just re-signing Rose, Noel, and Burks, all favorable contracts, not too long, pretty good money on all of them as well. So I do think the Knicks improved. And then when you look at RJ Barrett going into year three as well, if he takes that next step, 
I mean, the Knicks could go from, I mean, they were the five seed last year. Other teams got better. They could potentially move into the top four. They could, oh, right. They were the four seed last year. They were four seed. But but they could they could remain top four because we know that yeah. these other teams made moves, right? Like you look at Miami revamping, you look at Boston made some moves. It just means that they could potentially stay there. So I think that is huge for for New York moving forward. JP, what do you make of your Celtics offseason? As Edgar pointed out, you guys did lose Fournier and Kemba, but you did bring in some pieces as well. So what did you make of, of that those moves that the Celtics made? They got better though, to be honest. Um, I just think they, I just think that it, they, it's positive they kept Marcus Smart on a good deal. Uh, I feel like he could have got a little bit more money, but, um, a guy that is all defensive war. Um, they got Josh Richardson, which I like, Chris Duhon, uh, really good defensive players. You know, you bring back Jalen Brown being healthy. You know, he was out, you know, the season with the West injury. I think he would have been a difference in the playoffs. Uh, Jason Tatum is coming to his own, you know, top 15 best player in the war and we building around him. Um, I love, you know, I like the Al Horford one is questionable. Um, You know, you see in his stint with Philly, he didn't really do anything with Philly. Um, He did make a couple all-star appearances with uh, Boston um, and I felt like he played really well in the playoffs before um, Philly uh, signed him. I just it's 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 like a rebuilding stage. You got a, a rookie head coach, and I'm Udoka that we got from Brooklyn. Brad Stevens moving up to president after Danny Ainge stepped down. Um, I, the Peyton Pritchard one, I like that move that they drafted him last year. I think he's a dynamic scorer. You see, he scored 92 points in that program, so mm-hmm. I think he'll definitely bring something to the Boston flavor. Dennis Schroeder coming in, um, it's. Hopefully he has an attitude mindset, like thinking that he's not going to be like a all-star type of player or superstar type of player. Um, he could bring the scoring um, to the Celtics, like what Isaiah did uh, before they got Kyrie Irving. I'm still salty about that Kyrie Irving thing as well. Um, Robert Williams, I like. I like they kept him. You know, a very energy guy to get the rebounds, dunking the basketball. Um, yeah, losing four nail kind of hurts. Uh, losing Kimball, it didn't really hurt to lose Kimball, but I understand the value that he has. Um, I'm still not sold on Carson Edwards. I was sold on him at the beginning, but he wasn't really giving me anything. I I thought he was a guy that could score that basketball coming out of Purdue and uh, losing Taco Fall yesterday to the Cavaliers. I don't think it's really surprising, you know, because he's still got to work on his footwork and everything. So I think the Celtics, you know, as good as they got defensively, they still are trouble offensively. They're not going to be like a team basketball thing. It's going to be more isolation. And I think that they are going to be – they can still make the playoffs, but they're going to be a low seed, or they could not make the playoffs at all. But with Tatum and Brown still there, scoring the book of the low for the Celtics, um, I think they could be a low seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, when I look at Boston, I don't really view them as a team that got worse, but they didn't get better. To me, they kind of just stayed put because Kemba was hurt a lot. So yep. him not being out there obviously would hurt. Um Fournier, he looked like he fit in well with them. I just don't think they were prepared to pay him what he was looking for, whereas New York was, and I think he's going to be great for them. I think he's been underrated for a long time because he was playing in Orlando. I think he's a great third scoring option on a team, and I think that's going to be the role that he's going to play in New York. But when I look at Boston, adding Richardson is nice from a defensive perspective, but we haven't really seen him 
be what we thought he was in Miami. We yeah. saw him go to Philadelphia. He couldn't really find his way when Butler was there and they had JJ and all that. And then he goes on to Dallas, another just situation where he doesn't fit. He's not a great shooter is the unfortunate part about Richardson and all the teams he seems to go to. They want him to be a shooter and that's just not what he does. He's more of a defensive guy. He's going to rebound well and he's going to make that extra pass. So I think in Boston where, I mean, let's face it, you guys were a top six seed before Jalen Brown went down. Yep. But with the other teams getting better, I agree with you where I think seven, eight seed is probably right around the mark. I would compare the Schroeder deal just like Kemba's. It's low risk, high reward. It's not a lot of money. It's a one-year deal. It's a perfect <laughs> year. I mean, because let's face it, Dennis Schroeder, he didn't have a bad regular season last year. But in the playoffs, when you're going two for 11 and one for nine and like consistently not showing up on a Lakers team, obviously as a Lakers fan, you're no showing in a playoff series where they desperately needed you to show up because Davis was hurt. LeBron was hobbled and he just no showed. So that's why so many teams were reluctant to pay him long term. Now, if he comes back, we, I don't see Boston getting out of the first round this year. It just feels like a first round and out once again for them. But if he comes in and has a good playoffs, like he averages, let's say, 18 points and like six assists and he's got some rebounds and he looks solid, he's shooting efficiently, I think he will be due for one of those four years, $100 million type deals, $80 million type deals. Because if you're producing in the playoffs, then your value is going to be there at the point guard position because a lot of these point guards are locked up long term anyways. So he's going to be one of few on the market that's going to have a lot a value if he shows up in the playoffs. But uh, when it comes to the other three teams in this division, you've got Brooklyn who, I mean, they, they made a lot of moves for a team that you, you think of just Kyrie Harden and Durant because you retain Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, you bring in Patty Mills, you bring in James Johnson. They drafted Cam Thomas, which based off of summer league play, looks like it could be one of the steals of the draft. He's a guy to keep an eye on for six man of the year or all rookie first team, second team type guy. They did get rid of Shamit and they had to give up Spencer Dinwiddie. But I think we all knew Dinwiddie was not in the long-term plans of the Brooklyn Nets. The second they made the move for Harden, his days were kind of numbered for them. When we're looking at Philadelphia, everything with Philadelphia depends on Ben Simmons. Because we know that he demanded out yesterday, said that he's not reporting to camp. But what can Philadelphia truly get back for him? And it was something that I was talking with Mo about on my show last night. And what is the real value of Ben Simmons? Because is he top 25 player? Probably not. Is he top 30, 35? I would say he's in around that range. So what is that command as far as a trade goes? Edgar, I'll ask you this. What do you think Ben Simmons' trade value truly is right now? Well, I certainly don't think his trade value is what they were asking for before with the Warriors. Yeah. Definitely not that high. I mean, if he could shoot, and I know we've heard that a million times before, if Ben Simmons could shoot, if he had a three-point shot, he would be miles better than what he already is. I know everybody gets tired of saying that, but that's the reality, reality of it. If he was a better shooter, I mean, you could see the warrior, and you could see uh, the Sixers demanding that type of trade. Originally, I think honestly, at this point, though, given all the all the side stuff that's happened with him not wanting to report to Cam and him saying that he's done with the Sixers, 
I think the Sixers might really have to lower their asking for him. I mean, it's just at this point, it's kind of like you just have to you just have to get the the best what you can get. I mean, if somebody offered the Sixers, I guess one first round pick and uh, one first round pick, a second round pick, and maybe like a solid, like a solid, very solid, like young player, then at this point, you kind of have to take that because it's just like I said. It's just too much side stuff has been said and has been happening for for the Sixers to the to to the man much more in a trade. That's been my big issue with Philadelphia and the handling of this was at the end of the year you knew that he wasn't going to come back because after the way they they lost in the playoffs, let's face it, they they had no business losing to Atlanta with the talent that they have on their team. Atlanta's an up and coming team; they're very talented, but. You've got Joel Embiid on your side. You've got Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and you couldn't get the job done against Atlanta. And you choked away leads in the playoffs as well, which is what made it that much worse. So knowing that he wasn't going to come back, they should have capitalized right away by getting a trade done six weeks ago when the trade value was a bit higher because now all this stuff comes out while him and Joel are fighting. And of course, Joel puts out that they aren't, that they're fine. And that's good to see on his end. I think that shows a lot of leadership that he's willing to put something out like that. But the value is just so low now. And I don't know what Philadelphia can truly get for him. Like we were talking about Portland potentially trying to send CJ McCollum or something. But if you're Philadelphia, you might have to throw in Tyrese Maxey at that point to truly make it worth Portland's while. So, And again, just to piggyback of what you're saying, to me, his trade value really started going down the second Doc Rivers threw, threw him under the bus. Yep, after that, exactly. after, after exactly. that Game 7 press conference. Exactly. I mean, if the Sixers were really thinking, okay, you know what, maybe he doesn't come back this season. Maybe we don't want him. It's time to experiment with something else. You don't have your head coach go on a Game 7, uh, post-Game post 7 interview and say, well, you know what, I don't think he's the type of guard you can win an NBA championship with. Right yep. there, off the bat, you're throwing his you're throwing his name under the bus, and his value starts to decrease from that second on. No, for sure, and I think that's why you had to trade him right away because every day you wait, the value just gets lower and lower. Ooh. It wasn't an asset that was going to increase in value. You had to capitalize when the iron was hot for him, which was okay. Maybe maybe we can get a deal done now. It could have been a couple firsts with a solid starter and a young player. Now, as you said, you're looking at a pick, like a first rounder, second rounder, maybe a young player or a serviceable starter. And that's not great value for a former number one pick that is an all defensive player, been an all star for multiple years. That's just not great. Exactly. And maybe not even a high, high first round pick, maybe like a, you know, mid first round type of pick. You just you had, like you said, you had to strike when the iron was hot. And now you put yourself in such a sword, uh, sword against the wall type of type of situation where like you have to do something, but you have to really think through what you have to do because now you you're gonna end up with less value than you originally could have gotten for him. You don't want to have what happened to the Raptors many years ago with Vince Carter, where yep. you get end up with Alonzo Mourning who never plays a game for the Raptors the Williams mm -hmm. boys and nothing else for your, one of your franchise talents. And they need to capitalize on that. And speaking of Toronto, 
no real significance move made on their part. I mean, we did see Kyle Lowry departing, which I think we all knew was going to happen. Up in Canada, they believe Lowry's the greatest Raptor of all time. He's probably the greatest Raptor, not the greatest player to ever play for the Raptors, given his history there. But them re-signing Gary Trent Jr., I think it's a nice deal. $18 million a year for a young player that shows a lot of promise. And they've fallen in love with Malachi Flynn, which I'm still trying to figure out why the love is as high as it is for them. But I just don't think they made enough moves to make the playoffs. Justin, what do you make of what the Raptors did? They they didn't make Willie any moves. They're still trying to figure out a way to trade Pascal Siakam. You keep hearing that he might be a Golden State Warrior. So you thought Pascal Siakam would be your franchise guy. And apparently the president think that he's a lot smarter than what a lot of you know fans think that should be happening. But he is not. But uh, Pascal Siakam probably going to end up being traded, and they figure out he's not the franchise guy. Fred Van Fleet, you think he might be a franchise guy, but he's just a solid player, even though he scored 54 last year, but he was he's still a solid player. The upside would be Ananobi. Ananobi is increasing his like points of game if you look at the uh, if you look at his stats each year he's he's very like coming up there in terms of points his defense is already there he's going to even become a greater defensive player and can make an all defensive nba team so that's a really good upside the draft they didn't really draft well like they you would think they would get a jalen suggs for leadership purposes but then they got scotty bonds which i don't understand you know he's a defensive player but he's not like a he doesn't bring that leadership or the scoring to the Raptors. So it's still like questioning with that one. Um, you know, I mean, you get Dragic and Precious from Miami. Uh, you know, Dragic has always been a solid player, a guy that could facilitate and can score uh, buckets too as well. And Precious, you know, but, you know, Gary Trent Jr., that was a really good upside again from the trade last year, but they didn't really do anything. It's pretty much they basically are trying to rebuild or, I don't know, they just want to stay into the 20-something wins every year until they find to get somebody, but they ain't really make any moves, though. Nick Nurse, still there. Well, and, and the thing <laughs> about Drogic is that he's even said that he's got no interest in playing for the Raptors to begin with, so... Really, they made that trade to get Precious Achua, which is good because yes. he, he's shown promise with Miami. Yes. He's going to get plenty of opportunities to play there. So I am intrigued to see how he's going to fit in Toronto. So as far as the division goes, I mean, we're going to give our predictions as far as where each team is going to finish. Starting at number five, I think we all have Toronto. Can we lock that in as Toronto is the five Amen. in this division? Yeah, I think so. I think Toronto finishes last in the division. I mean, one of their biggest signings in the offseason was uh, Svi Mikhailov, I believe, is if I'm saying that correctly. I mean, he's a solid shooter, but he doesn't move the needle at all. So when you have to get excited about a player like that, then, you know, you know the season is not really going to be something you got to look forward to. Sorry, yeah. Drake. I, I think they'd be lucky to win 30 games next year. <laughs> that, that would kind of be my range for Toronto. At number four, Justin, who have you got it for? My Boston Celtics. Um, I think, like I said earlier, they didn't really improve a lot. I mean, they didn't do worse, but they didn't really improve. ISO ball still a factor, you know. Um, they got a good defensive team. They got some good defensive guys, but losing, you know, Fournier and um, – Kimber Walker kind of hooks, um, and you don't know what they're doing. You got a rookie head coach. 
Brad Stevens. I don't know if he, Brad Stevens is going to implement the rookie head coach to play in his style. I think the Celtics will be a low seed because Jason Tatum, that's the only thing I'm going to give them a low seed is Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, book of scoring. And, you know, hopefully they can stay consistent and hopefully the chemistry will still be there. But Celtics at number four. I've got Celtics at four as well. Edgar, who have you got it for? I got the Celtics at four. I mean, the only way they can possibly move up and maybe that's to third place if, and I say if, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were to have like monster seasons and they they were to remain healthy and if they can get something decent out of Schroeder. Because I know we all like to, I know we all like to make the jokes and say Schroeder, you know, lost the bag and all that. But at the end of the day, Dennis Schroeder is still a pretty solid basketball player yeah. to have. Yeah. Yep. He he just wasn't worth what he was commanding. Commander. He he was like Simmons, like the value just appreciated with with the way that he played in the postseason. Like Boston, for me, they're they're gonna hover around like forty two and forty type record. Like they're gonna be right around five hundred, maybe a game or two above, which is probably enough to get you into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference as a seven or an eight seed. Mm-hmm. My third place team. I got Philadelphia right now because the uncertainty around Simmons is just like, like what are they going to get back here? I mean, if they actually went out and got CJ McCollum, for me, they move up to two. They would leapfrog the Knicks. But given we just talked about the fact that it's depreciating value, I don't know if they're going to get that for him. JP, who do you have at three? The Philadelphia 76ers. The Simmons one is like up in the cloud and everything. I like that we signed up Danny Green, a three-point shooter and defensive player. Um, you still have Tobias. You still have MB, who just got the $196 million max, so you know who's going to be the guy. You still got Seth Curry. Um, Andre Drummond, we keep forgetting about him. He signed with Philadelphia. It's questionable with that with him. Um, I think he'll be a good backup to Embiid, or he could be a starter if Embiid gets hurt. But Philadelphia, you know, Doc Wilvers, you know, the coach that he is, a good coach, but um, I don't think he'll take that team to the next level. So, yeah, this one, so Philadelphia is going to probably be the third best one out of the Atlantic division. Yeah, and you've got, they did draft Springer, Petrusev, and Bassey. I did think that they had a pretty good draft, but how much are they going to play on a team that has playoff aspirations is the issue. Edgar, who would be your three through one? Uh. To me, uh, three, I think I'd put the Sixers there. Uh, if they lose Ben, well, if they keep Ben Simmons and somewhere, somehow they manage to keep him happy, which I don't think they will, but if they do, I think they can finish uh, either one or two. But without Ben Simmons there, I, I think they finished third. And we saw two years ago in the bubble how much the Sixers struggled when they lost Ben Simmons to that knee injury and, and Joel Embiid was basically the sole guy there. We saw how much they struggled in the playoffs. That's going to translate into the regular season this year if they don't have Ben Simmons. Uh, and not only that, but, you know, they lost Dwight Howard. And not, I know Dwight Howard is not the guy that he used to be, but he was still a pretty solid backup center for Joel yeah. Embiid. And he used to he, – he gave Embiid some some decent time to rest on the bench when, when he could. Yep. Uh, I don't think Drummond is better than Dwight at this stage. Uh, whether he starts or whether he backs up, he's not better than Dwight. So again, yeah. that's that's another um, loss for them, and I, I think they finished third. There's an upside with uh, Shade Milton. I like him if he plays consistent. That's the only problem. Yeah. Well, Sh- that, that's, that's that's the story with Shake Milton. It's always been that story. He shows you flashes here and there. 
of being able to score the ball and stuff, but then he has other games where he completely looks out of it. Like he can't do anything right. Exactly. And I think from there, we both know, or all three of us know, the Knicks would then be our second seed in this division with the Brooklyn Nets finishing first, potentially first in the conference, depending on health with that team. So the Atlantic division, it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. There's going to be a lot of great games, even within this division. Like I'm going to be tuning in when it's Knicks Philly, when it's Boston, Brooklyn, like there's going to be a lot of great games within this division. And I truly think it is one of the best in basketball. Mm -hmm. So with that, we're going to head over into the top 100 players list. Now, as I said at the start of the show, my co-host Steven is away for the next little bit, but we do have his list. (laughs) What better way to poke fun at Steven while he's away than, than dissecting his list? And we'll be dissecting mine next week as well. So don't worry, Steven, if you're listening, you will definitely, uh, (laughs) be seeing my list on here as well so (laughs) we're going to start with steven's players 50 through 46 i'll give you a bit of a breakdown of why i think steven has them here and then you guys can weigh in on on maybe a player that you like here or maybe a player that you're not as high on as he was so starting with the first five the 50th ranked player for him was christops porzingis now on my list i had him a bit higher i had him up at 71 He was still a 20 and nine guy last year, despite all the talk of him and Luca not working. I do think he still brings a lot to the table. I just don't know if he brings a lot to the table in Dallas. It doesn't look like a great fit, but he's still a talented player when you can hit threes in your seven, three. I mean, there's a ton of value to be had there. So I get why Steven has him here at number 50, number 49. He's got Pascal Siakam. We were just talking about him with the Atlantic division. Last year, he was 21-7-4, but he was only a 45% shooter, which for a guy that tries to score in the paint as often as he does, it's not a great look, and he's only a 29% three-point shooter, which I think hurts his value a bit. But I'm not as – I like Siakam a little bit more than Steven does, and maybe that's the Canadian bias coming into it. But I do think Siakam still has a lot to bring to the table. I don't know if his trade value is as high as – the Raptors think that it is, but if he stays there, he's probably still their number one option moving forward this year. At 48, LaMelo Ball, Rookie of the Year. I had him last week on my list at 52, so I think we're in about the same range for LaMelo Ball. When you're 15, 6, and 6, that's really solid numbers for a rookie season. He, the one concern with him coming out of the draft was can he shoot the basketball consistently? He was a 35% shooter from downtown, so I think he silenced a lot of his haters by being able to shoot as well as he did early on in his career. At 47, we got a guy that was an all-star in Nikola Vucevic, but 23-11-3, he shoots 40% from downtown as a center. Now, he doesn't take them at the clip that guys like Steph do, but the fact he's a 40% shooter as a seven-footer is also really impressive. I think Steven having him here, a lot of it has to do on the defensive side because we know Vucevic doesn't play a lick of defense and he never, I don't think he ever will. So (laughs) I think that's why he would have Vucevic here. And then at 46, we were very divided on this one because he's got Clay at 46, hasn't played in two years. I think he's capable of being here. I just, I had him at 75 last week. The reason being, we got to see it. We got to see what he's going to be like, because if he's 80% of Clay Thompson, he's going to be a little bit lower on this list than 46. 
But if he's 100%, I think 46 is definitely a good range for him. So, JP, what do you make of 50 through 46? The Clay Thompson one, I mean, 20% of Clay Thompson is better than half of the NBA players today. Um, yeah. I would just say that for sure. Um, but, you know, the injury, uh, Clay Thompson would be a little bit higher if it wasn't for the injury and he haven't played in two years. The LaMelo Ball one, he's going to continue to rise. Um, rookie of the year, a guy that's going to, Charlotte's going to be a playoff team. With the moves they had and everything, they're going to be a playoff team. Um, um, for you know, and they're still okay. young, so yeah, they're still young. So, um, Pozingas, um, if you look at the stats last year, that was his best like season to be honest. And stat wise, you know, even though it doesn't look like an eye test that he fit with Dallas and all that, which we can see, but if you look at the stats, that was his best like season. Um, Siakam, um, I love Siakam to death. I feel like if there was another superstar player, I think Siakam, you know, will benefit so much more, even though that he's, you know, can score, you know, an average 21 points a game. But it's just the eye test. You just see him kind of struggle. So the list is pretty good. I, I like it. I mean, if Siakam just had a player like Kawhi Leonard or yes. something, I feel like <laughs> yes. you know, that I'm digging the dagger in for, for Raptors fans who are still missing Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Edgar, wh- what do you make of this list? Is there a player in particular that stood out to you? Uh, personally, to me, Clay Thompson stood out. I think, obviously, we all know what Clay Thompson has done when he's perfectly healthy. Uh, he'd be much, much higher in this list. But I think, given the two like injuries that he has, I don't, I don't think I personally wouldn't put him at forty-six. I think he'd be lower, just because he had not one but two major injuries it wasn't just regular injuries it's two major like potentially career damaging type of injuries and we don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back so we have to wait and see what he shows us post injury i think i think if obviously if he comes back and he's at least at 60 something percent uh 60 something percent uh, then he'll be okay. He'll, he'll be justified at, at 46. But I think just given that, given those two injuries, I think he's just a bit too high for me personally. And I also think Porzingis is a bit high too. That's just not, that's not the Nick fan of me talking. <laughs> I just think, yes, he's a very good talent, right? Uh, 20 and seven when he's healthy. The problem is he's never really healthy. You know, he's yeah. always missing a large chunk yeah. of the season and when Luca really needs him the most, he disappears. Disappears. No, I agree with you there. As I said, like those are two guys that I had a bit lower. I want to wait and see on Clay. And as much as Porzingis puts up the numbers, the best ability is availability, and he's just been a guy that that hasn't been out there a lot the last number of years. We'll move on to forty-five through forty-one. At forty-five, he's got Kyle Lowry. 17, 5, and 7 last year, and he's a 39% shooter from downtown. He was the lifeblood of the Raptors for the last decade. Um, but now he's in a new situation in Miami where he's not going to be asked to do as much. You know, you've got Jimmy Butler as the number one option. You've got Bam out of bio. Even young guys like Tyler Hero are going to be nipping at his heels for minutes. So Lowry at 45, I'm a little bit higher on him as well. Once again, probably just has to do with me drinking this Canadian water and loving Kyle Lowry. <laughs> um, at 44, John Collins, a 17-7-1 and one guy. Steven's a bit higher on him than I am. I had him 55 last week. 
Um, but like we talked about last week, he is the number two option in Atlanta yep. for now because we want to see Clint Capella just got paid, which shout out to him. That's a great contract yep. that they just signed him to today. But DeAndre Hunter's there. We see Cam Reddish. They just drafted uh, Johnson. They drafted, uh, I can't think of his name right now, the Sharif Cooper. So yep. they've got all these young guys. Kevin Herter's there. Like for now, he's the number two option. But a 17 and seven guy on a team that went to the Eastern Conference finals last year, mm-hmm. I think he deserves his just due for the year that he had. So 44 is where Steven put him. I think that's why he's got him there. Colin Sexton at 43, a 24, four and one guy. He's putting up great numbers on just a really bad basketball team, but you can't fault him for that. He's He's been given the opportunity and he's he's running with it. And he's looking at some pretty big contracts down the line, whether it's from Cleveland or it's other teams. I mean, he, he looks like a really special talent for them, especially on the scoring side. 42, Michael Porter Jr., I have him 53. He's a 19-7-1 guy, and he's going to be asked to do a lot this year because with Jamal Murray missing a significant portion of time, and we have him later on in this list, he's going to have to be that number two guy for Jokic in the tough Western Conference. Otherwise, they're going to slip from being the perennial top four or five team in the West that they have been the last number of years. So he's really going to need to step up. And then at 41, DeAndre Ayton. I think a lot of people were concerned about him until Chris Paul got there last year. And then he was a 14 and 10 guy. He's over a block a game. He shoots 62%. So that's great to see out of what is the number three option in Phoenix. Probably who Phoenix hopes is the number two option in a couple of years here. And I think his, he's just going to continue to grow with Chris Paul there. Edgar, which players stand out to you from 45 through 41? Uh, I think John Collins stands out to me. I think personally, I would swap John Collins to 43 and move Collins Sexton to 44. Just because, yes, the numbers that Collins Sexton puts up are nice. And yes, it's also not his fault that the Cavaliers are underperforming so badly. It's just the Cavaliers. But I think it's a lot easier, in my opinion, to put up bigger numbers on the losing type of team. And for John Collins to put up 17 and 7 on a, a young Atlanta Hawks team that, you know, showed us this season that they can win basketball games and meaningful, meaningful basketball games at that is a pretty big deal because he could easily, he could have easily been a type of player that wouldn't have impacted games the way that he did, but he showed us that he can impact games in a winning way and not just put up numbers when, when, when they're not winning and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I could agree there. I think it is impressive, especially the amount of mouths to feed in Atlanta because they they go eight or nine guys deep with their roster and it's only going to get even more this year. So I would agree there. JP, who's the player that stands out to you? DeAndre Ayton, um, you know, had a monster, you know, uh, year in the playoffs, really improved his game. And, you know, I was kind of scared of him, you know, after we, uh, after Phoenix drafted him, everyone was very high on DeAndre and it was kind of scary because he wasn't really healthy and also was just kind of struggling because you thought him and Book would be the one-two punch. But, you know, with him having that monster one in the playoffs like he did, um, he Def justify his due. So I like him at 41. Kyle Lowry, I feel like he might she, – I love Kyle Lowry to death. I think he should be a little bit lower because that, you know, that Miami team, you know, 
but a little Bam out of bio. I think Kyle could still contribute, but you know, you're getting older, and you know, it's like you're gonna oh, you're gonna ask a lot of them. You got that young talent of Hero and Duncan Robinson who just got paid. Congratulations to him. So I think Lowry probably gonna go a little bit lower. It just seems like he's just slipping down the cracks each year, um, you know, stat wise. So yeah, I think with Lowry, the question is, can he maintain what he did last year? Or is he starting to hit the decline now? And that's why I think a lot of people were concerned with the contract they gave him. But for now, he is at 45 on Steven's list. When we're talking about 40 through 36, got a couple pacers here. I mean, we've got Malcolm Brogdon at 40. One of the really underappreciated players in the league, a 21-5-5 guy. Steven has him higher than I do. And I still think like 40 is... It, it almost seems like it's too low when you look at the numbers, but when we start to get into the players and how many guys there are, I think it's just tough in the, in the league. There's so many talented guys at 39 CJ McCollum, 23, four and four. I was honestly shocked to see CJ's a four assist guy because a lot of the time you just think of him as like, well, he's just Lillard's Lillard scorer next to him. Like you would think he's like a 25 and like, three or two type of guy, but he distributes really well. And I think he plays his role well in Portland. So he's at 39 DeMar DeRozan at 38 coming off a 21, seven and four year. I think he personally got robbed of being an all-star last year when they gave it to Mike Connolly. Uh, now he's heading to Chicago where he's not going to be asked to be the number one option there. The number one option in Chicago is going to be later on in this list. And I, I think even him as a second option, since Toronto, he's really become a better passer and a better all-around basketball player. So I think he's going to have a great year in Chicago. DeMontis Sabonis, a 2012-7 guy, severely underrated by the majority of the NBA. But I think that often happens when you're in Indiana. It's just a market where you don't see a lot of Indiana basketball games. But from a fantasy perspective, you love DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, you just see he contributes in every fashion, and he's a he's a solid defender too. So that's still true. Thirty-seven, Jamal Murray at thirty-six, twenty-one, five and four. I'm lower on him. You'll see him on my list last week. It's mostly due to the injury, though, because we're not going to see him for months and potentially into the twenty twenty-two year, um, as far as Jamal Murray goes. So. JP, who's a player that stands out to you on this list of five? Uh, Sabonis. I love Sabonis at 37. Like you said, severely underrated. And you read the stats 20 and 12 guy, very underrated. And, you know, coming up in the all-star game each year, a guy that really helps his Indiana team. I love Malcolm Barwin, very underrated. That, that Indiana team is very underrated, and they're going to make a – uh, a run, they're gonna make a run next year. Miles Turner coming back healthy. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to trade for him. They're probably trying to trade for him. Carol's Levert. Uh, that team's coming. Um, Jamal Murray, I like you said, Kenneth, I got him a little bit lower just because it's just the injury perspective. Um, how healthy you know he's gonna be. Is he gonna play this season? You know, that's just a lot of questions around with the injury. So those are the two players that came out to me. Edgar, who's the guy for you that stands out on that list? Uh, DeRozan. Uh, I love, love, love Jamal Murray. Like, I love the way he scores the basketball. I love the way he plays. But, again, same situation with Clay Thompson. He's had a major knee injury. 
and you just don't know when he's going to play. You don't, you don't know what type of production he's going to give you after the injury. Although an ACL injury for a type of guy like him couldn't, could potentially not be as big of a deal, but still, you know, you just got to put that type of question, the what if type of question anyways. Uh, but again, DeRozan really impresses me because I used to view DeRozan as, you know, just a pure type of scoring guy who wouldn't really rely on a three-point shot because he didn't really have a three-point shot, but he's learned how to really recraft his game. He's become a, a, a solid passer, a very solid playmaker, and you can see that even without shooting the three-point shot, which is huge in today's game, he's learned how to take that next step and still stay relevant in the later stages of his career. Like He can still play at a very high level. And I think now that he has uh, more running mates, like he has Zach Levine, he has Vucevic, he has uh, uh, Lamelo, he can he can focus on what he's what he does best, which is the scoring. And if he does he, he and if he does choose to play make, he has a lot of really great options to go to. He yeah, met Lonzo, everybody. He met Lonzo, not Lamelo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, no, no, you're good. <laughs> Um, At least I didn't say Leangelo. <laughs> yeah, that that would have been a lot worse had you gone Leangelo. And at least we've had Lamelo on this list, so uh, shout out to him. But yeah, I yeah, DeRozan's, DeRozan's transformed his career, and it's great to see. When we head into players thirty-five through thirty-one, Julius Randle at thirty-five, a twenty-four, ten and six guy. We're talking about a guy that last year was an All NBA player. Um, I think he's getting a bit slighted based off of the rankings, but they're also not mine. So Steven probably has his justification for Julius Randle at 34, Drew Holiday, 17, six and four, one of the best two way players in the NBA, uh, especially on the defensive end. He's, he's one of the best on ball defenders. There is 33 Brandon Ingram, 23, five and five. He plays second fiddle to Zion, but he's a legitimate all around player. He, I think of him a lot like, a younger DeRozan where everyone just thought that he was a scorer and to see him getting those assist numbers up, his rebounding up. It's a great sign for Brandon Ingram there because the Pelicans need to get good fast as the Zion clock is ticking 32 for Ben Simmons, 14, seven and seven. He shoots 55%, obviously doesn't shoot. He lays in 55%, um, but he's one of the best on ball defenders in the world. He's up there with Drew in, in that aspect. And then De'Aaron Fox, a 25-7-4 guy, 47% from the field. Uh, I hope he gets out of Sacramento and really gets to showcase what he can do because he's one of the one of the best young players in the league. So, Edgar, I don't think I, I have to ask, but who's the one guy on this list that you, you might have an issue with or think he should be a bit higher? Uh, you know, I got to go with my guy, Julius Randle. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a that's a given. I mean, I don't want to make Nick's Twitter mad either, but you know that, that that's my guy right there. I, he he showed us like for him to turn into an All Star player, uh, uh, most improved player, and all 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 NBA in one season. That's pretty. I mean, you gotta say that's a bit unprecedented. Like, not many players get to do that all in one season. A shortened season full of the whole COVID thing and, you know, uh, so many questions. He came in refocused after the tumultuous, tumultuous year he had uh, prior to, and he didn't let that affect him. He came back and he just, you know, showed everybody that he is a, a legit force to be reckoned with. 
And I think he can only get better from this. I mean, we've seen we've seen that he's a he's a type of guy when he says he's going to do something, he doesn't, and he did. He he he's really shown us that he's a really good player. Uh, but I, I want to point out one more player on the list, though. For me personally, Drew Holiday. I mean, what can't you say about Drew Holiday? I mean, NBA champion, uh, Olympic gold medalist now. And he's always been that type of underrated guy where a lot of people didn't show him love because either he wasn't playing in a big market or his numbers weren't like eye popping. But to me, I, I think he deserves to be a little bit higher on that list because he does, he's like a Swiss army knife. He can score, he can pass, he can play make, and he's a really, really outstanding defender. Uh, JP, who for you on this list? Uh, Echo said it best with Drew Holiday. I think he should have been bigger, at least higher than Brandon Ingram. Um, the uh, the Emma Fox one very slept on. I'm glad that people, I'm glad Stephen gave him the respect to the Aaron Fox, even though he plays on a bad uh, Sacramento Kings team. I had him on my fantasy last year. This guy. Man, it's just I, mean, I watch his games. Unbelievable guard. Like nobody don't really talk about. Very slept on. It's just like with Damian Lillard. Nobody never talked about him until you see him in the playoffs and all that. So De'Aaron Fox definitely deserves to be number one. Uh, double, uh, not number one, but double one. <laughs> but go watch his games. Go watch his games. I'm telling you, the De'Aaron Fox. If, if if you can oh. find Sacramento games on TV, then you you have to watch them. And Edgar, oh, <laughs> Edgar I will give you this much. Uh, I gave Randall more credit, and I'm not going to tell you where he is, but know that he is not on my list next week of 50 through 26. So he is a lot higher on my board moving forward. And so the last five players tonight on Steven's list, we got John Morant at 30. I wasn't that high on Jaw until I saw him in the playoffs last year, 19-7-4. I wasn't saying that he's not going to be a great player, but my goodness, I wasn't sure if in year two he had that much capability yet. I thought he was a guy who needed a couple more years and then he would be a star. To me, he showed up majorly in the playoffs, and it was great to see. 29, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 23-6-4 guy. He's just in a really bad team right now. Um, they were trying to trade him this summer, and to be honest, I was hoping that he was going to, but uh, he's going to have to tough it out in Oklahoma City for a few more years and hopefully get some players around him. Jalen Brown at 28, 24-6-3, phenomenal on the defensive end. I can't say enough good things about Jalen Brown. We already touched on him during the Atlantic Division. 27, Carl Anthony Towns, 24-10-4 guy like Shea Gilgis just on an awful franchise but it's a franchise with more hope than Oklahoma City with Russell coming back at 100% Anthony Edwards showing signs last year entering year two and at 26 Zach Levine 27 5 and 5 one of the true breakout stars in the league last year he's not just a scorer he distributes well and he does a lot for that Chicago Bulls franchise so JP, who's the guy for you that that you were a bit surprised by on this list? You're gonna apologize to every South Carolina pit person that's listening on the radio show for dissing John Morant like that, and then you finally are able to realize the potential John Morant has. Like I said, you know he he's coming, he's already coming. So, but I'm not gonna talk about John Morant. Um, I love that you know Stephen giving Shade Gilgis Alexander a lot of love because he's so good. If you watch his games, like you can, 
Like he is just unbelievable. He's very close to being an all-star, but like you said, he was he's on a bad team um in OKC. Don't, they don't really have anything around them. They got Josh Giddy in the draft, which I, I don't even want to talk about right now. But um <laughs> but um Zach Levine, another player that's he he's coming like he's coming like you you was like oh he's just a dunker in Minnesota but then when he got to Chicago he really like stepped up and scoring and the three point shot that's very underrated in this game he has he's a really good shooter so I love Zach Levine um on that list and being that breakout star that he is. Edgar, I'll give you the last word on the list thirty through twenty six. Who's the one that stood out to you? Uh, Carl Anthony Towns. I think, as you said, he plays for a miserable franchise that, you know, has never really known much winning. But to me, he's always been that type of guy that can is right there into taking that next step, like that next leap. Like, to me, he has he has some MVP type of talent. Like, but if he if, if he was surrounded by, by really, really good talent and better coaching and just maybe a better franchise, I think he could take that ne- next type of step. I think he I just think he's that good. But the problem is he's just he's never been surrounded by real good talent, no good coaching and it, it's that really really affects the player. Outside of that one outlier year with Jimmy and Wiggins, like because that was the only year where like they at least went to the playoffs and we saw right. that, what he's capable of with those talents around him, but I agree. I'd, yeah, he's like De'Aaron Fox for me. I'd love to see him on a team that's not named the Minnesota Timberwolves, but we'll have to see if that, that happens in the next number of years here. But I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. Uh, as we said, this is the Breaking the Game show on Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. You can find all of JP's work as well as mine off theballnetwork.com. You check out his YouTube page as well. And follow all the Off the Ball Network social media accounts as well. A lot of great stuff there. Edgar does such a good job of running the Off the Ball Network Twitter account. I loved his uh, Cristiano Ronaldo tweet earlier today. The true goat in the soccer world. And I don't care who likes it. And be <laughs> sure to follow me as well on Twitter at Pod as well. Guys, it was a ton of fun talking hoops with you. Stay tuned for next week's episode as we are going to be breaking down the Central Division as well as my player list, 50 through 26. There's three guys on Steven's list that are not on my list next week because they are in my top 25. So you're going to want to see who are the players that I have outside of the top 25 that Steven's giving a lot more credit to. And we'll see you guys next week.